1: is with us. There's nothing that I encounter, no circumstance that I experience, no situation that I go through that catches God off guard because he is with me.
0: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit MissionHill.org. That's MissionHill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: Jesus, the one whose birth we celebrate, is a name of purpose. There's no confusion about why Jesus came. and So we're going to come back and deal with that name here in two weeks, but let's continue. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, say it together, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, the baby born of Mary, the one whose birth we celebrate is Emmanuel, God with us. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. In the Old Testament, we have the law, and the law declares that God is against us. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that sin has separated us from God, and that sin has to be dealt with. I believe one of the biggest things that keeps people from beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ is the failure to understand that they're separated from God because of sin. If you are stuck in sin, don't miss this, regardless of what you read in the newspapers or hear on the talk shows. If you do not have a personal relationship with God, God is not with you. You're separated from him. The law separates us from God and declares God is against us. But the grace of God in Jesus says God is with us. Now, I want us to look at this prophecy that Matthew in his gospel is referring to. So you should have found it by now in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter seven, I want us to read together in just a few minutes, several verses, but I want you to understand the context. After the death of Solomon... The land of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south. And not unlike our history, there was great battles between the north and the south. The northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom was called Judah. Both of these were small kingdoms in light of what was taking place around the world. There were other small kingdoms like Syria, But there were large kingdoms like Assyria. And so often you'll hear us talk about as we teach through scripture, the Assyrian leaders and the dangers of Assyria. Well, when Isaiah is prophesying 700 years before the verse we just read in Matthew, when he's prophesying to the children of Israel, he is doing so in a time when Israel, the northern kingdom, has formed an alliance with Syria because they're scared of Assyria. And they have gone to the southern kingdom, Judah, and their king, who is named Ahaz, and asked him to join their alliance. But he says no. He's scared of them, and he's scared of the Assyrians. And so the Bible says that God sends Isaiah the prophet and his son to talk to him. It's interesting, when Isaiah goes to him, he says to King Ahaz, just trust God. Just ask him for a sign. And some of you in your lives have done that. You've said, God, I want to do your will, just, just give me A sign. I love what Dr. James Merritt says about a sign. He says, in the Bible, the word sign refers to an indication, a a distinguishing mark. It consists of dramatic, miraculous, sovereign intervention into the normal pattern of affairs in human life. It's a tangible occurrence to make us realize that God is at work and performing the sign. So signs are not something that God shows us every day. Some got time God speaks to the everyday circumstances of life. But Isaiah is saying to Ahaz, ask God for a sign, something big, just to show you that he's in control. And Ahaz, though an evil king trying to act humble, says, no, I could never bother God that way. I could not ask him for a sign. And that's when Isaiah the prophet then says, well, behold... So what? God's going to give you a sign. So let's read together Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name. Say it again with me. Emmanuel. If you read the Old Testament, beginning of the book of Genesis, should you be able to see that God is with us? Yes. Yes. Let me just give you some examples of how this is a theme throughout all of Scripture. Genesis twenty six twenty four, the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. Genesis twenty eight fifteen, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I've done what I promised for you. Exodus 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out? And he said, but I will be with you. That'll be your sign. Then when Moses passed the torch to Joshua, what does God himself say to Joshua? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah in verse four, chapter 41 and verse 10, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. By the way, if, if I were kind of receiving this today, and I know I'm going through this fast, but I'd be trying to get down every one of these references that I can. Because in every one of these, it's a reminder that in my times of need, in my times of fear, in my times of anxiety, in my times of uncertainty, my God said, he is with me. Jeremiah chapter one, verse eight, do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 119, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you for I am with you, declares the Lord. But does it stop in the Old Testament? No, because in John chapter one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says, and the word became flesh. So all of a sudden, God in the flesh became one of us. And then he has his ministry. He has his life throughout And as he becomes one of us, he says in Matthew 28 in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Then notice what it says in Colossians chapter two, for though I'm absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I want you to understand something today. There's no question, as you look at Scripture, the hope of the gospel is not a distant deity. It's not a God that desires to be the affection of your ritual. The heart and the hope of the gospel is God is with me. When I began a relationship with Jesus Christ, everything changes, but the greatest thing that changes from that moment on, the Holy Spirit of God indwells my life. I become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is with me. If God is with you, praise the Lord this morning. Now, I want you to see what that means. That means God is with me because he was with me in the past. It means God is with me because God is with me in the present. And it means God is with me because God will be with me in the future. That's what the Bible teaches, all of these things. God was with me in the past. He is with me in the present, and he will be with me in the future. He is before us and will be our guide. He is behind us, no ill can betide. He is beside us to comfort and to cheer. He is around us, then why should we fear? He is within us as companion and our friend. Our God is not some distant, faraway deity. He is a God who is with us did you get it if you've got it say got it it. good so let me tell you why that's important if God is with us then even the ordinary moments of life and the most mundane tasks become opportunities to be transformed for our good and his glory If God is with us, there's nothing that I encounter, no circumstance that I experience, no situation that I go through that catches God off guard because he is with me. If Jesus is your Emmanuel, that means in every season of life, in every circumstance of life, God is with you. That means at work. When you feel like you're alone and there is no other believers, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you're hanging out by yourself, cruising the internet, or strolling social media, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you're walking through a marriage crisis and you don't know if that spouse that you committed your life to loves you anymore, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you encounter temptation to stumble, even if it's because you put yourself in a situation you should have never begun to be in, you have the strength and the help of a mighty God because Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you're facing financial trials because there are more bills than there are income at the end of the month, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you get that report from the doctor that is not what you're hoping for and it makes your future seem so uncertain and unclear. Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you stand at the graveside mourning the loss of a loved one, you didn't see this coming, you didn't want this to happen, you don't know what you're gonna do next, but Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when your heart is breaking and you're sad, and you don't think you can face tomorrow, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do, Emmanuel, God is with you. It means when you feel like nobody knows, nobody cares, or nobody sees you in this life. He does, he does, and he does because he is Emmanuel, our God who is with us. God's presence doesn't mean that we will never walk through the difficult days in life. But what it does mean is that those difficulties will never overcome us. They will never overtake us. I love what David Platt once said. Followers of Jesus Christ may not always know where they're going, but they always know who they're with. Because he is with us. And listen to this, if he is with us, he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. And that means if he is with us and he's with us through our relationship with Jesus, then we are with him. Now that sounds like I've just twisted the sentence backwards, but I want to tell you why that's significance. If I am with Jesus, it means that I am identifying with him in the most important spiritual aspects of my life. According to scripture, it means first that I have been crucified, listen to this, with Christ. Galatians two twenty says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I am with Jesus, I have crucified my life. Don't mistake this. Becoming a follower of Christ is not about saying a magic prayer or joining a church or walking down an aisle or even being dunked in a pool of water. It's about coming to that place in your life where you surrender your all and you say, I am being crucified in my old self and I am giving myself to Christ. I'm crucified with Christ, but I, if if I am with Jesus, I'm also buried with Christ. Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when I'm crucified to that old way of living, that's in my past. And I leave it in my past. And I may have a hard time sometime doing that because of the rearview mirror that I'm driving with. But I'm trusting that because God is with me and I am with Jesus, my past can stay buried. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We continue with our message. Not only am I crucified with Christ, I'm buried with Christ, and I am raised with Christ. That's the great thing. Colossians 3 1 says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's the one that gives me the power to go forward. I was studying early this morning and doing devotional time with Oswald Chambers. And I was just reminded that in the Christian life, one of the greatest achievements is when we understand it's not about our achievements. It's about what he's already achieved. It's his death, his burial, and his resurrection that gives us the opportunity to be crucified, buried, and raised to new life. It's all about him. But when we trust him, he is with us and we are with him. And so at Christmas, we don't just celebrate that God is with us, we celebrate because we are with God. That's when we come to the place where we understand that the Christian life is a life of joy and fulfillment. We are with God. We are with God. We are with God. I've often talked about the, the time that I worked in Washington, D- D.C. for one of our U.S. senators and we would have a badge that we could wear and that badge could get us into a lot of places. But there were some places we couldn't get with even that badge. But if by chance, on a rare occasion, we happened to be walking down the halls of Russell Senate Building or in the basement that would, where the tram would take you over to the U.S. Congress Building, the Capitol, here's what we knew. If we were walking with the senator, Because we were with him, we could go anywhere he goes. At Christmas, I want you to celebrate not only that God is with you, but that you are with him. So I ask you today, are you with God? Are you with him? Before you answer that, I want to look at the last place in scripture where Emmanuel is mentioned. And the truth is, most of you probably have never seen this but it's in Isaiah chapter 8, the very next chapter. And Isaiah chapter 8 mentions two types of people. Because what we find out is in spite of the sign that God gave to Ahaz about Emmanuel, that prophecy that was a messianic prophecy that is fulfilled as we see in Matthew chapter 1, in spite of all that, Ahaz rejects The advice of the prophet Isaiah, and he forms an alliance, not with Israel and Syria, but with Assyria. And yet, because Assyria is an evil kingdom, what do they do? They come in and and they take over. History records that. But in chapter 8, Isaiah is going to prophesy about that. And so he says in verse five, the Lord spoke to me again and says, because of this, the people have refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and they rejoice over resin and the son of Ramalia. Therefore, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck. And its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. Oh, Emmanuel. What does that mean? Hey, Ahaz, you had your chance. Why couldn't you trust the God who is with you? The God he refers to here is the one who gave the waters of Shiloh. Shiloh's the gentle stream that's just outside of the walls of Jerusalem. He says, Shiloh is a symbol to remind you that God promised to provide for you. He promised to care for you. He promised to be there with you. He is Emmanuel. But if you turn away from him, just know this. You will be swallowed up by Assyria. And what is the message for us? The message is that God has promised us to be with us. That's the whole message of the gospel that God desires to be with us, but we have a choice. And if we choose instead to trust not in our God who is with us, but to trust in the world and its forces, Those world forces will eventually swallow us up and we will be overtaken. When we trust the things of this world, rather than our God who longs to be with us, we doom ourselves to be swallowed up by the world. And so I would just ask you today, are, are you looking to Emmanuel to meet your needs? And I don't think I have to explain this, but But there are other ways to do this. I'm I'm looking to my spouse to meet my needs. I'm looking to another relationship to meet my needs. I'm looking to my bank account to meet my needs. I'm looking to my image, how I'm perceived by others to meet my needs. I'm looking to some form of self-medication, drugs or alcohol to meet my needs. I'm looking to my title, my career my education, or my job to meet my needs. And anytime I'm looking to anything else other than the one who promises to be with me to meet my needs, I am in danger of being swallowed up by those forces. And for those who make that choice, Isaiah gives a final warning. Look at verse nine. Be broken, you peoples, be shattered, give ear, All you far countries, strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word for it will not stand for God is with us. So Isaiah is saying, hey, this evil king may have his way. But God can use even a wicked leader to bring about his purpose for his glory. And he will not fail. For he is with us. And in the New Testament, we're reminded if God is with us and God is for us. (laughs) Romans 8.31, what can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be? against us I want you to know this church God longs to be with you today you just got to decide do you want to be where he is